Heavenly Father, thank you for drawing us to your house of worship today, and we simply ask that your Holy Spirit, the one that is our guide, our comforter, Lord, the one that enlightens us and helps us to understand things, that your Holy Spirit would be very strong in our hearts. But let us, Lord, put aside any distractions right now and just focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you're in on the ground level. This is the beginning of a four-week sermon series called True North. And as we put it together, we we're trying to figure out what do we call it? Because the goal is, is to be able to try to figure out, you know, what is the truth? Is there a truth? And how do you find that truth out there? Because there's so many competing voices in the world when it comes to truth. So we decided to call it True North. And the first thing you might wrestle with is, and this is on your outline, what is True North? Like, why would we, why would we use that, right? So I did a little research and I found out this is pretty, pretty cool. So usually when you're a kid, uh, you're hiking with your parents or you pick up a, one of these things called a compass, right? Compass. You look, you're like, okay, you move it around. You're trying to figure out what direction to go to. And when it points to north, it's called magnetic north, okay? And magnetic north can change with certain variables and kind of be off a little bit. But the one true north is what we call geographical north, right? And this is based on the, the basically geographical makeup of the physical aspect of our earth. So true north will actually point a straight line to the center where the, in, the, in the Arctic Ocean where the North Pole is. Like that's true north right there. So if you're hiking, let's just say five miles here in Texas, uh, you're okay to use magnetic north because five miles, if you're off maybe just a degree or two, you're not really going to get way out where you're not supposed to be. You're, you're going to pretty much get there. But if you're going for the long haul, if you're going to go from here all the way to northern Canada or try to make it actually to the Arctic Circle, right? Just that one or two degrees difference from magnetic north to true north, that's going to be bad news, right? You might actually end up like trying to go to North Korea or something. You know, you don't have any idea. In fact, if you actually stand uh, there and you can stand in the middle of the ocean up there because it's frozen, right? You stand on the North Pole and when you are at true north, if you take your, magnet, your compass out magnetic, you know what it's going to show you? It's going to show you that north is 310 miles away on a northern island in Canada called El Elsamir Island. Isn't that crazy? That's just direction. But what about more important things in life, right? Like we know talk about true north. Today we're going to focus on the truth, okay? And to kind of get your minds wrapped around the truth and trying to find the truth, I want to bring out some horseradish sauce. Yeah, this makes sense, right? It's pretty logical. How many of you like horseradish sauce? Okay, you are wrong, right? <laughs> I love it. Out of all three services, you are the smallest percentage that like horseradish sauce because I'm telling you, this stuff's terrible, okay? This is terrible. In fact, this is nasty. You want to talk about ruining, I like pretty much all food, but you want to ruin a sandwich, you either put Brussels sprouts or horseradish sauce on it, right? Those two tastes are so overpowering, like you're done. I might as well be eating cardboard. It's just terrible. And then you know what? It's like... That we're not the only ones to mess, mess food up with horseradish sauce, right? Every, every like culture, they have the food that is totally a condiment that's totally wrong that they put on their food, right? You go to get Chinese food today, get, you know, get some great sushi or something. Man, the food, the fish is good, the rice, all that stuff. They have, you know, this ginger roots, you know, soaked in something. I love the ginger. Some of you are like, ah, that's good. But then they have this like fake guacamole stuff that they call wasabi, Right? And if it even touches a piece of my rice, I'm like, right? Every culture has their thing that's, that's wrong. And we have, <laughs> we have horseradish sauce. Now, I actually, I don't need this. I need my Bible, right? So <laughs> horseradish, 
for me, right, for me, that is the truth. I tasted, it, it's terrible, it's no good. For some of you, you're like, man, just pour it on, I love it, right? And for you, that's your truth, right? And that kind of thinking permeates our culture today. And unfortunately, it permeates our culture in things that are much more important than horseradish sauce, right? It's called truth is relative. You know, your truth might be good for you, but my truth is good for me, right? And it's really the prevailing thought in society. You can't fight this. I mean, if you go out there, someone will say, okay, uh, I want to respect your opinion, right? And you may be right, but I have an opinion that's different and I'm right too. And the crazy thing is that as a society and as a people, we seem to have like locked on the idea that it's okay to believe in two polar opposite truths and think they're both the truth. When, the, when in the definition, that's not true north, right? There's only, the, de- the definition of truth in and of itself is like, this is the truth. It's absolutely right or wrong, right? And this is a hard thing to swallow because um, a lot of times when we claim truth, uh, people will get offended and say, well, you're not listening to me. You're not loving me. So in marriages, they work this out like this. You say, well, I feel, <laughs> right? I feel this. Well, I can't fight their feeling, right? But there, there are truths out there. And the most important place, and this is on your outline here, the most important place that, that it's, it's so important for you to place, uh, the most important place for you to find true north is with your mind and your spirit, okay? When you're focusing on what you're thinking about and what you're believing in your spirit, it is so vital that you find true north. Because if you go there to take magnetic north, right? You're like, okay, I can, I can be off a couple degrees. Um, I can maybe swallow this. Somebody might be right on that. If you believe that long enough, it's gonna guide you so far to where you don't wanna be. You're gonna say, how did I get here? How did I get here, right? Because here's what, what I believe, and this is what the Bible, I believe the Bible says too, is that God has better for you. God has his best. And sometimes we look at it on the surface and we don't think it's the best. We'll say, well, that's judgmental. That's ugly. That's not right, right? All these things. But let's just take a few topics right here, okay? A few topics that we wrestle with in society that were different, let's say, 40 years ago, okay? 40 years ago and today, some of the differences where truth actually supposedly truth changes is in our identity, right? When God says in Genesis 1, 27, that he made them male and female. You know, today, it's a very uh, cool game to say, you know what, we can figure out whoever we wanna be and it's just whatever I feel, right? And so is that your truth? Uh, the second thing is marriage, right? When I graduated high school in 92, marriage was between a man and a woman. And now, just in, in a number of 20 plus years, uh, it can be with any, it, just all sorts of different ways to identify marriage, right? And so um, you have to wrestle with, is, is the biblical way of marriage right? Or are there different ways to do it, right? This is the questions we wrestle with. I'm not making these up right? Another one is, and this has probably been wrestled with actually a couple years before I was born in 73, the idea that our country says, hey, it's okay uh, to not value life per se, right? The sanctity of life. And so you can look at things and say, well, uh, life is more valuable depending on where it's at, right? Because we prosecute people outside, all this different stuff, right? So the value of life, uh, is life valuable, right? Well, to you it might be, and to me, I, I look at it differently, as people would say. And then the final one is this, what about God and society, right? 50, 60 years ago, it was okay to like, you know, just speak of God, speak of Jesus, this and that. But man, now you're gonna get in trouble for taking him certain places and doing certain things with God in your midst, okay? So what is the truth? Where do you find truth, right? So I wanna caution you. All these topics could bring up a lot of emotions inside of you. 
and you could all of a sudden fall to the side real quickly of judgment, right? That's not what we want to do. Because what God does is he allows us the time to think about these, to talk. And that's why we are opening his word right now. And we want to show that in every subject you can think of, when people say, well, there's not really a truth out there, it's just my opinion. Uh, usually God does have a truth. And so it's your job over the next four weeks to say, okay, what do I believe? I'm going to pick up God's word and see, do I believe this is the truth? And if I do, how do I reconcile this with my worldview, right? And those around me. You know, that's your struggle. That's your, that's your, that's your question, okay? So Jesus has an answer for this, right? I, I caution you to start anywhere except with Jesus. So Jesus comes in John, the Gospel of John. Remember, John is the one that was super close to Jesus. He was one of the inner three in the circle. And so John writes just a few things about Jesus in his Gospel. And some of the things that, that he writes is that, hey, Jesus was the Savior, right? He went to the cross for us to actually pay for the times that, that we distance ourselves from God to restore that relationship, okay? Jesus also showed us that uh, he's a guy that can do miracles, right? That God can actually transcend the physical limitations that he actually put boundaries on, right? So he can heal somebody instantly, right? He can raise somebody from the dead. He can do all sorts of things like this. But the one thing too that we're gonna focus on today that Jesus came to share with us is this. Listen, in John chapter 14, verse six, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You could get three sermons off this. In fact, next week, Pastor Jet's gonna talk about the way. What we're gonna talk about today is this. When Jesus says, I am the truth. Okay, what did he mean by that? What did he mean by that? When Jesus says he is the truth, he's letting his followers know that you're gonna hear all sorts of competing voices out there, all sorts of things about me and people are gonna speak about me and my father, but I'm gonna tell you, I am giving you the truth. And if you know the context of John 14, this was the day he was gonna be betrayed, right before the last supper, right, communion. Jesus knew that not only would they scatter, but they would start to question everything that he taught them. Is he really the Messiah? He got killed. <laughs> What's gonna happen now? And everybody would be pounding them and say, look at this guy you are following. He's nothing, he's dead. And Jesus had to tell them, I am the truth. Why do we have such a hard time with this, right? Because I, I know each one of us at times struggle. We have our doubts. We're like, okay, did God really, right? And that's the question that we struggle with is this. We frequently believe, I know better than God. Now, I don't believe that you are going out all the time saying, you know what, I know better than God. Some of you do, and that's like pretty, woo, you're up there, right? Remember, God never thought he was you, but you think you're good anyway. And so, uh, I know better than God. And if you think that, sometimes you act it out in ways that you're gonna say, you know what, um, I know that God says to honor my father and mother, fourth commandment, but I think I know better because I think they're wrong right now, right? Or I know God says not to gossip about somebody, but man, I am feeling so insecure in this group. If I put this girl or this boy down, it's gonna make me feel so much better right now. And for, for immediately, in the meantime, it will make you feel better because you're putting someone else down, but at the end, it burns, right? That's the crazy part is that God actually knows best. He really does. Even if our feelings and our minds tell us otherwise. And this is nothing new. This is nothing new. Remember Genesis 3 I was telling you about at the beginning? Listen to what happened to Adam and Eve, right? Listen to what happened. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? 
And isn't that a captivating question? God said one thing and the servant said, did God really say, right? That's the same thing that he wrestles with you all the time on. The devil is a deceiver and he will have you question everything. Did did God really say this about life? Did God really say this about my, I don't think, did Jesus really say this? And eventually he can pull you away, right? Because look what happens next. As soon as he got her to question and think, well, maybe I know best. Maybe I know better, right? This is what happened. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. Now, I just want to pause right now. Adam was right there watching the Hebrew cowboys, right? He was in his recliner watching TV. He was there. He did this. It was, he should have stopped her, right? He's just as at fault. So what happened was when she saw it was desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some, she ate it, she gave some to her husband and with him and she ate it as well. And immediately, immediately things went south, right? They started feeling shame. They felt bad. They're like, man, I thought this was good. I got duped because now I feel all this weird stuff. I don't think life is right. I'm confused, right? And it just went downhill from there. So what do you do? What do you do when, you, when you're constantly feeling, I think I know best, but is there really a truth out there? I read of a pastor who got his first job when he was 16 out in Seattle and uh, he was working at a gas station. And he said that the uh, first night on the job, the owner said, hey, you gotta be careful here because people like to pass counterfeit money. So here's a $20 bill. I want you to look at it and notice that, you know, there's all these things that make it unique. The real one is real. Here's the line in there, like up there, you know, do all this stuff. And you got a spot where there's a fake. Now the pastor, uh, 16, is a kid, he said, to the owner, he said, hey, I wonder, um, would it be better if you like show me, since people pass fakes, why don't you just show me like five, 10 of the fakes that you've gotten of these $20 bills, right? And the owner said this, very wise. He says, no, I want you to just spend a lot of time studying the real thing. Because as, as you start to know what the real truth is, what the real, do- what the real bill is, you will immediately start to smell out and see the fake, right? And that's the same thing with God's word. The more you know God's word, you know your creator's heart, you will start to smell and sniff out things that are not right. They won't sit well with you because you know the truth, right? And it's not in an ugly way. It's not in a hateful way. You're gonna sit there and you're gonna say, you know what, I got peace because I'm trying to figure out and my God is leading me to what the truth is. And I can have healthy dialogue with people now because I have this this, this security that I I believe I know what the truth is, right? See, here's, here's the difference. You have God and you have the devil. And just by me saying that, that phrase, in this day and age, people sometimes will roll their eyes and be like, oh, the devil's not real, right? I mean, that's an old childhood story from Sunday school. That devil's not real. Well, you know what, Jesus? Jesus is pretty clear that the devil is real in scripture. You jump back to John chapter eight when he talks about truth again. In John chapter eight, Jesus is at the temple. He is confronting the church leaders of the day, right? Think about this. It'd be like the bishops, popes, you name it. He is, he is confronting them. And he is basically telling them, y'all are so tied into your man-made laws that you believe are truth, right? That you are circumventing God's laws and you are following the devil who's your father. He is the father of lies. He says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Well, you think that ticked them off? Our father's Abraham. We, you know, no, no, he says, no, your father's the devil. You know, Jesus knew the devil was real. He called it for what it was. And he says, you know what? If, if you don't know the real you will fall for the counterfeit anytime. That's exactly what the devil does. He is real. And if you don't know God, you will fall for his false counterfeit stuff all the time. 
God creates, the devil counterfeits. God frees, the devil enslaves. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, we can go and as a society for 5, 10, even 50 years down roads that we've gone down and we'll think it's okay, we'll think it's right, it feels good, but the end's going to hurt because God knows best. He really does. So there's a way to find God's best, right? There's a way and God has it here in his word. There's an absolute truth and there's a way that you can acquire it, Okay. Just saying that word on most college campuses by saying there's an absolute truth, they'll say you're judgmental and pig-headed and probably other things, right? But I want to tell you that this is what God's word says. He says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So they're not arguing with you, they're arguing with Jesus. So in one way, you don't really have to take it personal. You're like, I'm just sharing with you what Jesus says and I believe in Jesus. So uh, you're gonna have to take that up with Jesus and see how that works, okay? So, The first thing is this, to acquire that truth, you need to trust. Trust the one who knows you best. A little bit later in John 14, Jesus says, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He knew they were gonna be scattered. He knew they would find all sorts of opposition. He knew their hearts would be troubled. He said, hey, here's the one way to not let your hearts be troubled. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in your own reasoning. Don't trust in your own argument. It's okay to reason. It's okay to try to uh, debate. But he says, in the end, you gotta trust that I have this. It may not make sense, but believe in me, I have this. The second one is this, wrestle with God by asking questions. This is a huge one, okay? You can say, you know what? I don't know how much I trust God, but even a a little spark of faith is awesome. You can start right there. Say, I got a little spark of faith. I I, I believe God kind of has what is going on. He kind of knows, and I want to wrestle with him, right? Wrestle with God by asking questions. This is what happened again in John 14. So Jesus says, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Believe in me, and Thomas shows up. Thomas is one of the disciples. He's known throughout history, poor guy, doubting Thomas. But I think Thomas actually was doing something good here. He says, in verse five, he says, hey, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says, on the way, the truth, and life, right? He is wrestling with Jesus. He's like, I don't really know what's going on. Can you show me? It's okay to question God. It's okay to have doubts. What's not okay is to stay with those doubts and be like, well, I'm just gonna um, live my life not knowing. And I'm gonna believe uh, people that may have a different opinion in five years, right? But I, I kind of agree with them today, right? You want something that is solid. Last night I was in the pool and one of my kids, I said something about a volcano and I was talking about the age of the earth and he said, do you believe in, you know, like, you know, how old is the earth, right? And if I didn't want to wrestle with him, I would have said, I taught you that in confirmation. Be quiet. No, I was like, ooh, this is great dialogue. I'm excited about this. We talked about young earth, old earth, you know, what the Bible says and how you can kind of uh, reconcile this. What can God do, right? It was great conversation. I loved it. That's what God would do with you. He's not gonna shut you down. He wants you to wrestle. In fact, think about it. In Genesis 29, what does God do? He's wrestling with a guy named Jacob and he changes in the morning, he changes Jacob's name to Israel. Do you know what Israel means? To wrestle with God. Is that cool? His chosen people in the Old Testament, their name means to wrestle with God. He thinks it's going to happen. He's preparing for it. He wants to dialogue and engage with you. God is waiting for you. Open his word. Speak to him. That's why it's so important. Today we have a group 
We have six groups starting, grilling groups. You signed up this month. We have six groups, 51 uh, adults plus kids. They're starting today. You know what is, is beautiful about groups? You can actually get to meet people and dialogue with others and say, hey, y'all been wrestling with this? And let's look in God's word. What, did, what do you do about this, right? Because if you just stay in your own head, you get into some dangerous places. But like find some other godly people and say, how do you wrestle with this? How do you deal with this in society especially, right? Now, some of you, some of you need to, especially do this last one, and this is the hardest one, I think, is to accept that you'll never have it all figured out. Accept you'll never have it all figured out. I referenced Acts 15 there. Acts 15 is the early church. They are wrestling with the idea, do, do the believers who weren't Jewish, who come now to be a Christian, do they have to follow all these laws, be circumcised, you name it? And they wrestled and they figured out, you know what? We don't understand how this works, but we know that God said this, that Jesus is sufficient. The, the Gentiles don't have to do this. And so anyway, long story short, they accepted that they didn't have it all figured out, but they were gonna follow the best they had at that time with what God had guided them to. And I'm thankful they did, right? Because we live in freedom now because of that. There's gonna be a lot of things where you're gonna like have to look at Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 verses eight through nine, the prophet says about God, he says, hey, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are greater than your thoughts. If you have a God that you could put in a box, that's a pretty small God, right? God is so much bigger than us. And it, and it starts with trusting, wrestling, and accepting. So here's the, here's the thing to wrestle with today. I resolve to trust, wrestle, and accept what? All of us have those. All of us have these doubts, right? We have these questions. Society tells us this. I believe that. And I'm, I don't want you to just focus on horseradish sauce, right? You want to go deeper than that. What's something that's burning you? And you're like, man, I got to wrestle with that, right? Pray about that. Wrestle with God, open his word, and allow him to speak his absolute truth to you. It is so close, it is right here. Allow him to speak, amen. As we go into communion time today, uh, I want to uh, focus on something that happened in our midst in Dallas this week. We're gonna do a little prayer, and then we're gonna have communion. But this week, uh, many of you were watching uh, fervently the trial of Amber Geyer. And she, if you don't know, if you have not heard all week, basically she was a police officer that about a year ago uh, came home at night and had a mistaken identity in her apartment. She thought, well, I'm in this apartment. She was actually in the wrong apartment, and she shot and killed a guy. And the, as the, the trial went on, uh, lots of emotions, of course, right? People very upset. But one of the craziest things that happened was at the end of the trial, the judge, after she was sentenced to 10 years in prison, the judge came down and did this. She gave her a hug gave the convicted killer a Bible and shared the gospel of Jesus with her, right? Now, if this doesn't get more special than that, look at this. Also, the 18-year-old brother of the guy that was, that was killed, he gave her a hug and said, I forgive you, right? Loved her with the love of Jesus. If you're out there today and you're like, you know what? There's two things I got to wrestle with. I don't know if Jesus is real or not. I guarantee you those hugs, those actions do not come from this world. This world is a get even, get justice, get them what they deserve. But that, those two actions are all Jesus right there. That is the Holy Spirit moving in them because that, that cannot be man-made. That cannot be fabricated on our own. The second is this. That tells me that they know true north, right? They know that someone might deserve this, but true north is Jesus pointing to the cross. Is Jesus giving light where there is darkness, right? That's why we have these lights on here. 
It is Jesus offering forgiveness. Now let's bring this home. How many of you have someone like that in your life? Meaning, how many of you have unforgiveness that you just hold on to? It might be someone who's not even living anymore, and you're like, I just am so angry at my mom and dad or my grandpa for hurting me. It could be someone who is alive, and you're just like, I can't even talk to them. I believe that God is showing us these, his true north, to show I have a way for you. I have a way for you to get out of that pain that's holding you down. 